Hello everybody, Willie Mayette, creator of Jazz Edge. Welcome to the Confident Improviser Podcast. This is episode number 24, and today I got a special treat for you guys. I got an interview with the band. I got my friend Tom Casali and Randy Cloutier, who uh, are going to be answering some, uh, some questions, or we're just going to be rapping for a little bit today, so hopefully you'll learn a few things. Remember, this podcast goes along with the Confident Improviser course that's found back at Jazz Edge. Uh, there will be a video replay of this as well for my Jazz Edge members. If you want any more information on that, just go back to jazzedge.com or theconfidentimproviser.com uh, as well. And so let us start interviewing the band here. So first of all, I want to welcome you, Tom, and I want to welcome Thanks. you, Randy. So. All right, so uh, Tom, uh, Randy, and I just did uh, a gig a couple of weeks ago that um, uh, students have been talking about and asking me questions about, and I just wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit, and I also wanted to finish up with some uh, questions that I got from uh, students as well. So first of all, uh, for those of you who haven't seen the concert, you can go right to jazzedge.com slash concert, and you can see that concert from the parlor in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, it was on March 20th, I believe, is when we did that. Uh, and it was a Chick Corea celebration. Unfortunately, if you did hear the sad news, Chick Corea passed away uh, a few months back, and this was a celebration gig. Uh, for the music of Chick, uh, which is absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, and challenging music. Uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So, Tom, you called me, uh, literally it was, what, like three weeks before the gig, right? Yeah, yeah I think that's about it. I mean, you know, Chick only died uh, February 9th, I believe it was. So yeah. there wasn't a lot of time between it. I was like, you know, I got a call to do a gig and... Um, you know, they asked me, I kind of do whatever I wanted. I do a lot of original stuff, too. So they asked me to do kind of whatever I wanted. I thought to do a Chick Corea thing. And, um, you know, I put you guys together in very short order. Um, and uh, we did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and students have been asking, like, how did we do it? And they, they were kind of blown away at... Uh, you know, I, I don't want to hurt myself patting myself on the back here, right? but but uh, you know, I've heard from students that they were kind of blown away at how good the gig sounded based on the fact that we literally only had three weeks of rehearsals. So I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that and talk about our process and, like I said, uh, also get on to some of those questions from students as well. Uh, but to kind of set the stage here... Um, uh, so Tom gave me a call like, you know, mid-February and we had three weeks before we were going to do this gig and we met every Tuesday uh, for three Tuesdays, right? So we had literally three rehearsals um, and Tom had an idea of the music, you know, that we were going to play and then we got together and kind of worked through and played through the music uh, in that first rehearsal and then started to suss out which tunes we wanted to do and which tunes we didn't want to do. Um, <clears throat> and one question that I have, and I'll start first, all right, uh, uh, to kind of set the stage for you guys, of what we did to prepare for this gig. So um, one thing that I did to prepare for this gig is on my phone, I put together a playlist of the tunes that we were going to play, right? Because obviously listening to the music and getting that frame of reference was extremely important. Uh, and then also I hadn't actually, to be honest with you, I hadn't listened to Chick's music in several years. I'm like kind of listening to, uh, to other musicians right now. Uh, so it was a great deep dive back into Chick's music. And again... A wonderful uh, just seeing just how musical and technically proficient this guy is. And it's like, geez, how am I going to live up to you know this standard of being able to play chicks music? So listening to that music was super important. Obviously, uh, practicing it uh, every chance that I got as well, uh, super super important. Um, and then I also knew that I was going to be playing on a keyboard, so I also started to kind of get that in my mind as well because we did our first rehearsal on a piano, the second rehearsal we did on the piano as well, but the third rehearsal I did on the keyboard because I had to make sure that I kind of got back into, um, you know, that technique. And not really gigging over this past year with a pandemic, I hadn't really played that particular keyboard in a while, so I had to make sure that I was really kind of, uh, you know, ready to go on that instrument. 
Randy, uh, for you, what did you do to get prepared for the gig? Well, yes, getting prepared was, uh, it was a challenge. Um, you know, just finding recordings, um, lead sheets to, to begin with, because I, I like to listen to melodies and I like to try to, you know, be able to memorize them at all possibilities. But as you know, some of the, the music, uh, Chick's music, the, the forms are really somewhat challenging at times. Uh, yep. Well, the roadmap, the musical roadmaps, and, um, you know, just really, um, you know, listening and then looking at the, the sheet of music, you know, which is a, a melody part. And, you know, like, you know, it's not drum music, so it's 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 interpreting, you know, learning how to interpret what I'm seeing and uh, listening to, you know. You know, it's so important what you're saying there, too, because... I think especially for a, a young drummer or a, uh, an up-and-coming drummer or up-and-coming musician, it's real easy to think, ah, you know, I play drums. All I got to do is just get down to form. What do I care about melody, you know? I play bass. All I need to do is play the roots of the chord or whatever. Why do I really care about the melody? But it really is important, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I really listen to the harmony because... Um... You know, that that might affect how I approach something or play something, you know, especially in terms of dynamics. Um, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs and that go through uh, a tune. And especially with his music, Chick's music, um, you know, there's a lot of that where, you know, dynamics are, are a really important part of the, you know, the music. And so to be able to hear that harmony and, and um it just gets me thinking, you know, away from more like drum, drumistic stuff. I, yeah. I try to think more on a melodic and uh, harmonic sense of, of playing. Uh, I know like bass and piano, you, you, you know, you have to know melody and chords and, and uh, most drummers are like, what, what's that? You know, and it's, it's really um, the more you know, can know about that. I think you really get into the music more as well. Uh, so I think, you know, learning, um, you know, on top of being proficient at drums, you get a, you have to try to um, have an idea what the music is about and, and uh, understand it, I think, is, is helpful, especially in uh, terms of soloing, uh, not just playing a groove or something, but like really, um, I, I try to utilize those elements uh, in my playing, you know, so the melody definitely helps you when you're, you know, like those moments where we gave you solo time, uh, the melody is definitely guiding you? Uh, not not always, but most of the times, yes. Yeah. So that I, I always, I try to base my improvisation over the song that I'm playing. I'm really thinking about that song. I'm not just thinking about, oh, what lick can I throw in here? I'm, I'm thinking about that song. And so it has more of a, a relation to that song it's not just like a you know how many notes can i throw into this little right. measure or whatever it's it's like you know every every song to me is um you know i, I try to think in those terms of in, improvisation um i try to relate it to the song that i'm playing yeah you you know a piano player or a bass player you you know you wouldn't just play any notes you kind of have to I mean, you can play any notes, but I mean, you, you, you're, you know, you're really paying attention to the, the form and of course the harmony, the yeah. chord changes. So I try to somehow make that happen in my playing as well. So Tom, same question to you. What do you do to prepare, to uh, prepare for the gig? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I mean, you guys kind of, you got, you stole some of the goodies, um, I mean, there's a, the, what you guys have to say is is right on. I mean, I think like, you know, I think we all sort of think along the, the same wavelengths um, about how to approach the music. I made a playlist, um, you know, of all the tunes so I can listen to it. So I go for walks with my dog. I'm listening to the music. Um, I played along with those songs. So sometimes I would just put it on. And, you know, actually one of the things I, I was actually reading through um, one of Chicks just put out a book actually recently before he passed. Um, and it's pretty interesting and it, it's, you know, suggests some different ideas about how he approaches things. And one of the things I kind of, you know, caught in there that I do sometimes, but maybe not as much as just, you know, um, 
like not try to necessarily transcribe everything because especially with this we didn't have enough time to like go through and transcribe everything but um you know just to play along with stuff and try to catch the shape of the music and that's something that both of you guys i think are talking about too is trying to kind of echo some of the shape even if you're not catching every single line per se or every single note while you're playing along with it really trying to internalize the different kinds of shapes and the way that the music is moving um and um, so that, that was definitely a big piece of it. I mean, I, I tend to bop back and forth. I'm not, um, a, a, I'm not even remotely as proficient a piano player as Willie. Um, I will not even, you know, joke about it necessarily, but, um, or maybe I will only joke about it, but, well, thanks, um, Tom. I'm I can not sit down at a, a piano, as you. I'll sit, <laughs> so. you know, kind of like Randy said, like, I, you know, I'll, I'll sit down at a piano to kind of go through the changes, um, to hear the harmonies to go through the um, the melodies, you know, the play, I mean, I'll even improvise a bit on it. Um, and then, you know, I'll bring that back and, you know, go back to the bass. So I kind of go back and forth across the room over here on my piano on that side, my bass on this side, and then I'll play all those melodies on the bass and, um, you know, some very challenging um, chords to improvise over. So sometimes it's isolating certain chord sections and saying like, how do we make the connections between these two chords rather than how do we play through this whole song? Right. Um, because there are certain just, you know, changes where you're like, Oh my God, he's going to go from, you know, this specific chord to that one. And how do I get there? <laughs> you know, and how do I hear yeah. where to get, you know, how do I hear the direction of that? Um, and they certain they lead you certain ways too. You know, you can hear it in chicks playing too, how he sort of deals with those spots in his own playing. Um, as well as the other musicians he plays with. I mean, listening to guys like Eddie Gomez and um, John Patitucci, the bass players that he played with, and listening to their lines and be like, okay, well, that's how they deal with those things. Yeah, it's uh, Chick's music. I mean, I noticed uh, in the tunes that we were doing are definitely sometimes it's like, wow, you just don't think that the music is going to move the way that it does. Um, it's uh, really quite interesting, the movement that he gets in his music. And then when you're trying to build a solo over it, exactly right. I mean, you could solo over each chord, but then it sounds like you're just soloing in a silo, right? You're trying to build this line so that it moves in between the harmony. So that was definitely uh, a, a challenge. You know, I'm curious, um, uh, Randy, uh, the, like, these songs had some very different articulation to them as well, right? So, like, you take Armando's Rumba, uh, Armando's Rumba, uh, Spain, you know, versus that, versus, like, when we did Waltz for Dave or something. So, like, how does that articulation of what Tom and I are doing, how does that start to affect how you're interpreting the music? Well, okay. Um, of course, I'm, I'm listening uh, very intently to what, you're both are playing because again, uh, you have the melody and the harmony going and I'm there for, you know, more rhythmic accompaniment, hopefully not to get in the way of, you know, the melody or, or overpower, you know, what you're doing. So of course, listening is probably number one. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, making, um, you know, for let's say uh, for Armando's rumba. Now that the recording that I listened to didn't have drums on it, so I I used what I was hearing from the recording and then in making up my own kind of groove. Uh, it was more of a like a songo kind of groove is what I ended up playing, uh, and I thought it worked uh, in, in relation to what we were playing. Do me a favor, just for a quick second, if you could let our listeners know. So, what is a songo? Uh, it's a Latin groove. Um, I would play it on my drums here. It would be a lot easier to play it. But um, it, it, it's it's basically, uh, you know, you have this uh, consistent pattern of like a bell, like a, just a, a, a quarter note pattern, really. And right. then you have... Um, do you want to play it for us quick? Uh, Can you? Are you set up to do that? I, I am, but uh, I could do it. All right, well, I'll move to, to Tom for the next question. If you want to go ahead and, uh, and, and play that, that would be cool. I'm sure they would, they would love to hear it. But uh, actually, we'll finish up uh, what you were saying about, like, you know, the articulation and the music and how you're interpreting that. Right. So uh, in, in, as far as the articulation, um, I try to think of, you know, short and long tones. 
what's a short sound? How do I make that on the drums? And how do I make a long tone? Oh, that, interesting. That okay. Really, that's really how I, uh, I try to, I try to at least match what's happening um, that way rhythmically. So if you have a, a staccato note, uh, I tried to play more staccato. Uh, if you have a long tone or if there's a, a held out chord, I'm probably going to, you know, hit a bass drum and cymbal crash or something or, or something to something accentuate. Something that's going to sustain. Right, to sustain. So I, I, I usually think of my notes uh, as far as articulations is long and short. Okay. But also some some are also accented or maybe you know have more um, emphasis. Yeah, it's interesting because I I mean I've thought about drums like you know like the typical drums being percussive as accenting, but never really thinking. Uh, I never put a lot of thought into the fact that like long and short. I mean, obviously like a cymbal crash is going to be long, and you know a snare drum hit you know short. So right. that's interesting. Now, yeah. for both of you, same question will go to both of you. Randy, since I'm with you, we'll start with you first. Yeah. You both play multiple instruments. Why? Um, and, well, and actually, if you don't mind saying what instruments you, you play as well, even if you're just dabbling with it. All right. So you can probably see it right here. This is a vibraphone. So I have a vibraphone here. Um, I just took out my steel pan, which I haven't played in a bit, but... I have that. Um, so I, I do play all percussion instruments. Uh, right now, this is this desk here is actually my timpani drums. <laughs> uh, I have tubular chimes. Um, uh, I just been I just started playing the uh, the upright bass recently, so I just uh, starting to get Woo! getting that. Woo, woo, woo. So, do you play any piano? <laughs> What's that? Do you play any piano? Uh badly. But uh, um, not very good. Uh, I can play a little bit. Now, I, I, haven't, I haven't prepped you on this question at all. You didn't even know I was going to ask this question. I tell my students why musicians play piano, so I'm not going to lead you on it. Why do you play piano? Well, it's the easiest thing for as far as uh, picking out melodies. Like if, you know, I mean, for me, uh, before I had this instrument, you know, we ha I had to reference the piano, especially when I was in uh, college, especially I had to, um, you know, take some theory courses. So before and, you had the vibes, you had a reference. Yeah. Okay. So I had, you know, if I needed to learn a melody, you know, the e easiest way was to, to go to a piano and, you know, fumble my way through it. And, yeah. you know, maybe my technique wasn't there, but I, you know, slowly would figure out what notes you know, read, be able to read the staff. And, um, but um, at, at the beginning, I mean, it was really um, a challenge to, you know, play because I didn't really have that. I had more of just drumming background, drum set. And then eventually I got into to theory uh, later. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, piano is, you know, probably the, um, you know, one of the first melodic instruments I, I've probably played even as a little kid. Um, you know, we had this old little organ in the house. It was, you know, something I would mess around with, but uh, drums took over, but um, I, I still appreciate piano and the keyboard instruments. Um, and I thought um, this instrument, the, the vibe, the vibraphone, um, because it's more, I guess, in the terms of using like my hands as uh you know mallets yeah uh, or instead of this i, I don't have good uh, facility on a keyboard um so the mallets was, are probably a little bit easier it was a transitioning was probably learning to hit these notes as opposed to being having to play like 10 notes uh right. was uh a challenge for me so um so but uh, to to learn um any melodic instrument, you know, especially, especially drummers. I mean, cause, uh, I know it, it's, it's, uh, it's a downfall for us, you know, to not to be able to understand that part of music. Some people just get into the mindset of, I just want to play drums and that's it. That that's great. But I think once, once I 
got exposed to those other instruments, it really opened up my ears. And that's, that's to me is, is um, you know, I can hear things in music where things might be going, you know, harmonically, like, and it, it forces me to play differently, like, you know. Um, and bingo, you just hit it, man. Like, what I tell my students is that the reason that, oh, actually, you know what, I'm not going to say it. Because I'm going to take, the, I'm going to go to Tom now. Same question to you, Tom. So, what instruments do you play? And I already know that you play piano, so you can go ahead and uh, uh, add why you play piano. Go ahead, Tom. All right, yeah, I'll start there for you. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, I think I, you know, you probably remember Louis. I, I don't remember if it was like Oscar Peterson or somebody said something like, you know, when you play the piano, maybe it was uh, Duke Ellington. You you got the whole orchestra under your fingers, you know? And I think one of the things that is just so cool about the piano is it's got this, you know, great layout for trying to understand uh, theoretical things, but also understanding multi-voices, right? Because you can, you know, on the bass, generally you're playing mostly one note at a time, um, you know, and the piano allows you to play, you know, 10 notes at a time, basically. So you've got this ability to play multi multiple voices simultaneously. I mean, I really, I got into it because I was trying to write my own music and in writing my, my own music, really, that's kind of how I learned um, to do a lot of my piano playing. I mean, I had a lot of theoretical knowledge from school and I did take some class piano classes at school, but then um, I kind of used that basic knowledge and I had to, I wanted to write songs. And so I, to figure them out required me to learn certain things and it just sort of one thing led to another and it helped me uh, just in a, a great deal, you know, as Randy said, with understanding harmonic structure, you know, like what are these chords? How do they go to each other? What are the relationships between these chords? How does the melodies fit into there? And it's hard to see those things when you're playing on a drum or when you're playing on a bass, right. um, you know, so you also it's play guitar as well, right? Was that? You also yes, play guitar yeah. as well. So actually I started out as a guitar player, um, you know, I guitar was my first instrument. Then I played electric bass, and then I played upright bass. Um, in the middle there, I started picked. I, I started to pick up piano a little bit, and then eventually, I, I actually run a band program. Um, so I play a lot of instruments. I mean, I play sax, clarinet, flute, trumpet, trombone, violin, cello. I don't know. I probably missed a couple drums. Because I'm teaching kids how to play those instruments, so I have to be proficient on all of them. I mean, I, I don't know that I could gig on all of them. I certainly couldn't play Chick Corea's music on all of them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to hear I mean, Spain you know. on, or Armando's rumba on, yeah. uh, on cello, if you don't mind. <laughs> right. I might be the, actually, I might be the hang on cello. I did a, we did a thing, uh, Randy will remember, we did a thing a couple of years ago. What was the tune we did? It was one of Oscar Pettiford's tunes. Um, Bohemian, uh -oh. um, uh, a night in Bohemia. Oh, I'm forgetting the tune, the I'm name of the tune right now. But um, we did, we did this, and I, I, I played cello on it, you know. And I, actually, I, I, I will say I can play a cello the regular way, but I tune my cello like a bass. How oh, funny, yeah. So, so you could tune it. In the, the traditional cello was tuned in fifths. I have special strings that allow me to tune my cello in fourths. Oh, cool. So it makes transitioning a lot faster. So the layout pick on, it up on, and on start the fingerboard playing. is the same? It's just smaller. It's yeah. just it's like just the this distance between notes is closer. So intonation, playing in tune is is a challenge. But um, once you start to get comfortable, you just got to feel the notes and where they are. And then, it, like you said, it's basically the notes are in the same places um, rather than the, the traditional cello tuning in fifths. The notes are in completely different places. Well, you guys got me beat. I play piano, um, and I play, you know, keyboard instruments. I could play some electric bass as well. I could probably gig on electric bass. Um, yeah, we've all heard you play piano, so, yeah, so we know how good you are. Yeah, so that, 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 that's, that, that's really my fault. What about having you beat, man? <laughs> But you guys are like the musicians that everybody loves to hate because like, yeah, well, I play cello, flute, sax, marimba. I play the Balinese flute, you know, like, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and now Randy, uh, playing the pans there, uh, that's, uh, that's a challenging instrument, huh? Uh, yes, especially with the, the layout of the, the notes. Are, and, are, and again, for those of you who don't know, pans are the steel drums. That's, that, that's another, uh, you know, word for it. So go ahead, Randy. 
This is what the diagram of the notes look like. Oh, geez. So there's, you know, and this is just one version of a pan. Some, a lot of pans are, uh, are different. So the notes are, you know, they're not numbered either. So you kind of, you memorize the, the pan. They're in uh, fifths. They go up in fifths. So yeah. the, the low note is a C. I can't play it. Then the next note is a G. Then it's a D, lower, then A. So it goes all the way around. So if you have a tune that's the melody is just a circle of fifths, bam, bam, you're golden, right? I know. Yeah, just go right around the pan. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've heard that that, that instrument is, uh, is pretty challenging. It's actually an instrument that I want to actually get into myself. It sounds, um, it's such a great it, sound. You'd probably tear it up. I mean, it would be... You'd probably be really good at it. Well, thanks. <laughs> do I, it, man. Do it. I, 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 I got to dig into that one. It's, yeah, it's going to be Pans with Willie. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, hey, let me ask uh, some of these uh, questions here. Uh, so, Michelle uh, asked uh, Randy, and Michelle was at the Jazz Edge Live event, and Randy uh, had a chance to, to uh, uh, accompany Michelle um, uh, that one had uh, Brian Rizzuto on bass. Uh, we didn't have you on that, Tom. Sorry. But, uh, Brian's uh, great. You know, Brian, Brian, I'm sure he did a great job. Oh, yeah, he did. He did. It was great. So anyway, uh, Michelle asked, was Randy playing with his Swiss cymbal? Uh, actually, yes. Good observation. That was, that was the cymbal on my right. That was my uh, – and the hi-hats were also Swiss. They were peisty. Oh, nice. Yeah. Christy symbols. Uh, the, the my ride on my right and my hi hat, and then I had a, I had some other symbols in there, Zildjian and uh, I forget the other name. <laughs> cool. Well, just as a reminder, if anyone wants to watch that concert again, just go back to jazzedge.com/concert, and you can watch it there. Uh, here's a question for you, Tom. Tom Casali said that you all you all three participated to create the list of songs played. Would it be possible to develop a bit? So uh, expand on that a bit. Uh, the tune selection, Tom. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, you know, we started with, um, you know, basically a bigger list. I kind of, I, I, I mean, generally speaking, I kind of went through it. I think initially I reached out to both of the guys and said, you know, like, are there any tunes you guys really, really want to play? Um, are there, you know, and then from let's work from there, basically. And I kind of wind up cobbling together, I think, the first list technically. Um, and it had way more tunes than we probably needed at that point. The book had more tunes than we needed in it. Um, and then it was just kind of a matter of we, I was trying to look at things somewhat um, chronologically. So I wanted to kind of give a little bit of the story of how he progressed through his life and sort of some of the albums and things that came out to give people an opportunity to kind of like hear about like, Oh, that came from this album or, Oh, that was from this period of time. You know, that was, you know, chicken 1968 and this was chicken 2020. Um, so, and then again, like, like I said, we kind of, as we, you know, rehearsed, we talked through like certain tunes that we felt like, Oh, that one's really good. Or, um, you know, that one could wait, or we really should include this, you know, but we need to balance out because we wanted to keep it, you know, at a certain amount of time. Um, so, you know, there's other things we could have played, but right. um, didn't necessarily want to, um, you know, have it be too long. Um, also, there were other things like, I mean, I, you know, bring up Got a Match, um, where Got a Match is this great song that we could have worked on, but would have, it was a very difficult and challenging song. Um, we definitely could have done it, we're, you know, capable of doing it, but it would have taken more time. So, yeah. you know, sometimes you got to say, okay, well, that's going to take more time to get that one down. Let's focus on making sure we can do well the things that we're doing well. well and I think that can kind of apply to people's practice too. You know, when you think about, you know, your own study, you know, there's times where you kind of just say like, okay, like that's something that I might be able to do, but it's going to, you know, take me more time. I'll wait on that for now and come back to it and, and focus on these things. So it's definitely something that I think if we did it again, you know, I would love to add kind of match, you know, cause it's a, it's, it's a really fun, fun tune, but it's also yeah. incredibly fast and funny, incredibly I was, demanding. I was just talking about that with my coaching group today and talking about what I realized on that is like the, 
this, like hitting your pinky there, like, like, like just by changing around the fingering that you're doing. By using fourth finger there is much more powerful than using the pinky because going five, four, three uh, is weaker in the hand, but using four, three, two is a little bit stronger. So it's like, you know, it's, it's stuff like that where, yeah, it takes time to kind of work it through and start to pick apart the tune and not just a musical level, but then also at a technical level as well. You know, one thing I said to you, Tom, um, uh, over our group chat, but I want to say in this podcast as well, is just what a fantastic job that you did, you know, of course playing, but then also all of the interlude talking. Um, like, like it, it was just really well planned out, and I, you know, I, I give you a lot of credit for that. And for anyone that, uh, you know, I would definitely suggest take a listen to that concert because Tom laid out just some great chick history, right? Like, if you if you want to know some great history about Chick Corea and and, and where these tunes are from, uh, it was uh, it was really good. It was fantastic. Now, Thanks. on the uh, the difficult tunes, like Humpty Dumpty, there's an example. At first, it was like, eh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that one, right? You know, so I had to, like, really roll up my sleeves and really practice that we one a bunch. <laughs> uh, but we were, able to, we were able to get that one together. And, 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 and to, to kind of dovetail on what you're saying there, Tom, it's like, you know, our job, I mean, I believe that our job as professional musicians is to do justice to music, right? Um, like, I, I, I feel it sounds corny, but I feel like not just in my lessons, but in my playing, my job is to bring art and beauty to the world through music, all right? And in order to do that means I can't be clamming all over the place on a music, and certainly on a, uh, uh, on, on a, a celebration gig for somebody who just passed, the last thing you want to be doing is like, you know, uh, butchering their music. So it's always uh, weighing out that, like, what can we get done, but uh, is it a stretch and is it too much of a stretch? And I think the thing that uh, I, I want to say for the three of us is that, you know, that you have to be brave to go for that stretch. You know, on that first rehearsal, you know, some of the tunes were like, eh, no, we're going to be able to get this together. So then each of us do our job. We each go back. We put in the time in the woodshed, right, making sure that we're practicing this stuff. And we get back together. We rehearse it again, right, take notes, go back again. But it's really the three of us have to come together and we have to say, hey, look, we're, we're willing to take that reach together. So, um, and that's, you know, the fact that we're professionals and we've worked together before. Now, some people are also going to wonder, how much have we worked together before? Randy and I and Tom and I have played uh, uh, a lot over the years. I've known you, Tom, for like, what, like uh, eight, eight years, ten years? Randy, yeah, probably ten. Like somewhere around the same, like about eight to ten years as well. We've done dozens of gigs and different um, uh, permutations. I don't remember. Have we? Oh, yeah, we've done the three of us, but probably at um, DeWolf, right? I think we probably did some of those yeah, gigs. That's, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, but certainly not this music, right? This that's music no. was, was kind of a, a new thing for the three of us. Um, now, another question here. Would Tom say a little bit more about the use of the bow? It gives such a different style than the usual uh, finger bass playing. Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm actually, I, you know, I was largely classically trained first, although I did always dabble in jazz. My, my really, my, my technical training kind of came in classical music um, as a classical bass player. And I actually kind of put that aside for a while. I'm kind of just getting back to it now. Um, and it does, it has like a really beautiful sound that's much different um, than the, the pizzicato sound that we're sort of used to in, in most jazz. I mean, there's definitely a tradition of it in jazz. Um, there are some incredible, uh, you know, jazz bass players who, you know, who bow Paul Chambers, uh, Major Holly, uh, Christian McBride, uh, who happens to be on um, some of the, uh, you know, Korea stuff. Um, also, there are, there's, um, uh, in Spain, Spain starts off with, um, with Boeing. So that was actually technically there. I didn't actually didn't come up with the idea or anything. I can't take credit for that. Um, but uh, doing Crystal Silence with a bow, I was listening to a recording and um, 
want to say it was probably Joe Farrell playing sax. I'm not, I'm not sure about the which sax player it was. I think it was Joe Farrell though. Um, and he was playing sax, and I thought, you know, that sounded really nice with a bow, um, just because of how melodic it was and the, the what he was getting out of the saxophone. Um, and it was actually just saxophone and um, and piano. And so I thought, you know, it would be really cool if we do that with, you know, bowed bass and piano. And then, of course, we added drums to it, too, to add, you know, color. And that's, what, that's that kind of arranging piece where we can take some liberties uh, with Chick's music and, and sort of say, like, okay, well, this is he, how he arranged it. But we can do it a little bit different. We don't have to do everything the same. And that's kind of what gives the music, like, a new life, if you will, or new breath you know, kind of going forward. That's one of the things I love about jazz and, and, you know, some somebody like Chick who himself did that, where he took music and he was always breathing new life into it by creating a different arrangement of something. But to go back to the bow. Yeah. So, I mean, generally speaking, you see it mostly in classical, but it does cross over to jazz quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, oh, I had another question I wanted to ask, and I'm drawing a blank now. Oh, you know what? Uh, 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 back to the, well, let's bring it back to piano for one quick second. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, uh, oh, I, I remember what it was. I wanted to tell our anecdote, all right, of what happened between you and I, Tom, uh, uh, in between our first and second set, the fight that you and I got into. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. So now we're going to get everyone listening like, what well, the fight? What the heck is he That's talking about? Uh, all right. So. Um, that headlock was brutal, Willie. Oh, I'll tell you. You know, you know that first degree black belt, baby. Hey, hey, hey. I knew it. Uh, I should have known better. So um, so something that I've, I've, I've done many times uh, over the years is especially with bass players, is asking bass players if what I'm providing to them in my playing is working for them. Because the thing that I've learned is like uh, bass players, well, first of all, like we have a, a special relationship. Bass, piano, and drums, we are like the, the, the core, the engine, right? A lot of times we are the foundation of a group. You know, you'll throw a sax player on top, you'll throw a vocalist on top or whatever, but it's really important that the three of us really lock in together uh, quite well. And in order to do that, there has to be open communication. And it has to really be open communication without a bunch of bull hockey, right? I mean, it has to, you know, it, you have to be able to, speak to one another um, and, and be able to get the job done. Um, and when you can't do that, the music definitely suffers. I know I've been in situations, I'm sure you guys have too, we could go down that whole rabbit hole of, you know, you're on the bandstand with basically uh, you know what, right? Um, and they're very difficult to get along with and there's, the communication isn't there and well, obviously the music suffers as well. But uh, one thing I asked Tom in one of the rehearsals when we, you know, while I'm comping behind his solo is I was asking him like, okay, is that, is that, you know, is that all right? Is it too much, too little? You know, you want something different? And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Tom was like, you know, it was all fine. But then between the first set and the second set during our concert there, uh, you came up and do you remember what you asked me? Or told me? Uh, oh, I, I, I suggested. Shut the heck up! <laughs> I suggested that you might leave a little bit more space. Right. Sorry. Right. And then you know, and then was I taken aback by that? No. No, I you, like, I, you were beyond professional about it. I, I always, I must admit, I always hesitate to say anything because I do feel like I know it can be a, a, a personal thing. But you're absolutely right, and the way you dealt with it was beyond professional and honestly when I listen back I listen back to that first set I'm like I don't know maybe it was just the way I was hearing things in that moment because it sounds pretty darn good but, but the <laughs> you thing know? is what's really important is that when I am accompanying behind your solo or or anyone's solo Randy's solo whatever when we are in an accompaniment role it's our job to accompany and if, if you're not hearing something, no matter whatever it is, maybe it's on you, maybe your ears or whatever are, are, are you know, like, like not hearing something, it doesn't matter. If that's what you want, that's what my job is to give to you, is to, is to make it because my job is to make it to give you a bed, or at least that's the way I see my job, is to give you a bed that you can just float right over the top and you can hear the harmony that you want to hear or hear the space that you want to hear. 
But it was uh, it was a great story because you know I remember you, you came up and you're like uh, you're like a little nervous about saying something. I remember telling you like, hey man, it's totally fine. It's like you know it's it's why I you know brought it up in the first place. So it's such an important lesson, you know, that communication with the band. If you can have that communication, it just makes the music so much better. And then it's you know. We were joking around with Randy there too, right? Like, you know, in rehearsals, like Randy like can hear everything. He's like playing a drum beat, but hearing some other melody in a different key. Like, you know, we like to bust chops and have fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I think that it points to something too that, you know, about comping and, and how there's like an art to that. You know, oh, yeah. uh, you know, speaking specifically of, the, not of just the piano, because it, it does apply to, to bass and, and drums as well. Um, but there are different ways to approach comping too. And it's not like one way is necessarily right or wrong. Um, you know, we talked about how Chick, you know, approaches comping and Chick has a very specific way that he approaches um, his comping. And, and you can listen to, you know, Thelonious Monk or something that's totally different. Right. You know, so um, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it does, you know, it creates an interesting discussion about, you know, what, is best for a certain situation or a certain player and how to approach that. And, you know, yeah, I think there's, there's just, uh, there's a lot to be learned from that, from that. And, and I, again, um, you know, appreciated. I think I felt so much better in that second set. You made great adjustments. And when I, again, when I listened back to that first set, I think I may have been being nitpicky or something because I really liked what you played, but um, yeah, I, you know, it's just one of those things. So, it's, you know. it's my job. My job is yeah. to give you what you're looking for, right? Well, well done. Well, well I done. mean, when I'm in that, when I'm in that accompaniment role. Now, when I'm right. soloing, well, now that's flips. different. Now, you know, I mean, right. at that point, if I felt like you were playing too much, well, then I got to tell you then, right? All right. right. So, last two questions to go to to the both of you, and I'm gonna shut up and just let you guys answer these questions. I'll give you both questions right now, um, and I'll let you guys jump in. Whoever wants to jump in first. So, the first question is. Uh, Pianistically speaking, if you could point to one thing in the gigs that you've played over the years, what is it something that you're looking for from the piano player or would suggest that the piano player focuses on based upon your own instrument experience? So as a drummer or as a bass player, what, what are you looking for from the pianist or what should the piano player really like, make sure they have under their belt? That's the first question. Since the, this podcast is The Confident Improviser, I'd also love to, you to share what's one improvisation tip that you could share, something you practice, some idea, something improvisation related that you would like to share. Who wants to jump in first? Well, let's, I guess I'll go first. Go ahead, Randy. All right. So in terms of what I like to hear from a piano player when I'm playing with, is that what yeah. you're trying to get. And, and I'm hearing the butt of that joke being nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Randy. So like, what, like, like, if you have a piano player on a gig, all right, what, what is it that, that you're looking for? And it could be something specific. Maybe, you know, when trading fours, like uh, uh, behind your solo. What are you looking for from the piano player? Um, well, I mean... I, in terms of uh, the playing, I mean, I really listen to the comping. I mean, that's something I try to lock in. I might, I might, if I'm listening and I catch what maybe you're doing, I might try to kind of accentuate with you in that sense, or I might respond to that in a, and more maybe of a call and response. Like you might have played something, and I might be like, and play something back to you. Mm. You know, so to uh, dive into that a little bit more, would you say that you like uh, like a pianist when comping or when you know just approaching the instrument to give you some rhythmic stuff to play with? Like uh, like if they're just playing rhythmically flat, like holding out whole notes, quarter right. notes, not really doing any syncopation. Do you find that kind of difficult to work with? Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's always like that, I, I really uh, you know syncopation is to me what makes the groove and and uh, the, make the makes the music feel like it it's going somewhere like it it's got that anti anticipation or you know suspense almost but it, it's like if everything was just like you know 
quarter notes through the whole way, uh, you know, that kind of gets um, a little old. <laughs> so, um, and of course, you know, a player like yourself, I mean, it was just a, a blast. I mean, uh, you had got so much going on rhythmically. It was like, you know, there's at times I was like, you know, getting excited when I was hearing, I'd be like, oh, I better, you know, get back on track here. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm also playing with him. <laughs> But there's times I just want to listen and, you know, I might just play less and just, you know, listen to that. But there's, it depends. Um, you know, it's very, I guess, reactive uh, is part of like listening to, you know, if I'm hearing something, I'm going to try to go there with them. And, you know, and, and, the, and you know, I, I did listen to the uh, recording uh, and I was, was, you know, really, um, I was like, wow, that was, uh, that was pretty cool <laughs> what we played, you know? And, you know, sometimes you might not catch that while you're playing. It's just, it happened. And yeah. it's like, I'd be like, oh, wow. Or, you know. And then finally, the, uh, the, the other question, any tip you can give to budding improvisers? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, in, in, as far as um, like improvising, obviously, understanding rhythm has to be, I think, uh, I think essential. Um, I'm not sure what you use for uh, rhythm stuff, but uh, the syncopation book. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. It's it's. Um, <laughs> It's part of my uh, suggested books on my site. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. So Does the uh, uh, I I suggest the uh, Louis Belson one. The uh, uh, reading four. in four. Yep. Yeah. And then there's also the Ted Reed. You know the Robert Starr as well. Those those are the three books that I recommend. But those are great for even um, you know like melodic playing. Like take take one of those lines and just play a play a scale using those rhythms you know that's that's something i do at the the on the vibraphone yeah. uh in addition to you know i have all kinds of exercises that i do on the for the drum set you yeah. know it's right. funny that sounds exactly like I, I i say exactly that same thing in, in in my lessons take the rhythm apply a scale to it absolutely in fact uh confident improviser students are going to love to hear that because that's exactly the way the confident improviser program is structured. We start with ingredients, which is like a scale. We have a rhythm, and we apply that scale to the rhythm, and we create licks and exercises. So, uh, so that, that, that's good to hear. What about yeah. you, Tom? Uh, what is it that you're looking for from the piano player? Um, I think I'll kind of. Well, I'm going to echo a lot of what Randy said in a moment, but I mean, I, I would start from a base level and just say, you know, um, I think you know the basic things are like about. Uh, you know, these are not things, these are things, again, on a very basic level, form and time. Mm -hmm. um, I think when, when a, you know, when a piano player, I mean, this is, these are things that you never have any issues with. Um, but I think at a more basic level, when we look at, Everyone's going to think that I'm paying you guys to say all this nice stuff ah! about me. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm like, get you are right here. <laughs> anyway, all right. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, um, no, but, um, you know, like, I think that, you know, that, that knowledge of the, of the form of a tune, not, not losing the form, not losing a beat or something, keeping good time and feel with the rhythm section, I think is, is, you know, of the utmost importance to just, just to start with. Yeah. Then I think on another layer, layer, a uh, higher level, um, which to echo again what Randy's saying, it's for me especially. You know, I kind of come, although I don't necessarily play just like them. I kind of come out of like the Bill Evans school of bass players and bass trio, which is a very interactive approach to to playing. So I want to, as Randy said, it's about like. You know, you hear a rhythm that somebody plays and you try to play off it somehow or try to echo it somehow. And then being able to like listen to each other and hear different things and be able to bounce those ideas off of each other. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, while keeping that strong grounding of the other things that are going on, that's just that's what makes it the most fun, I think. You know, mm. that's that's like what Randy said, like about our gig that was so fun was that they're just moments of us just kind of bouncing off of each other and things happening that nobody ever talked about. Right. You know, but it's, it's happening because we're all listening 
um, and responding to each other. And that's a, you know, that's a special ingredient to jazz music is in, in, in live performance in jazz is, you know, this idea that anything can happen and you never know what's going to happen. And then things just do happen. And when certain things click, it's just, it's like, cool. It's almost feels magical. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, again, I think that other stuff has to come first and you, know, you have to have that, you know, sense of form and tune sense of time and feel. But then once you get by those things, the bigger picture, I think comes in being able to react to the other players that you're playing with on, on some level. And sometimes you fall on your face and, and being somewhat okay with it. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think we did well at not falling on our face, but I think that, um, you know, when you, when you're playing, you have to be okay with that. I think on some level too, to, to take those chances and sort of see what happens, which kind of plays into my improvisation thing. I think the, you know, you, I, uh, I don't know if you want to ask the improv question. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. That, that was the next question. So what's your improv tip? So I, I think that like, you know, again, I echo a lot of the things that um, Randy said, but one of the things that I, you know, really um, am kind of all about is just jump in. You know, I think, um, you know, find, you know, start with something that is basic, but then jump in and do it. I mm. think that like, for me, um, and it's something that I'm still trying to develop and get better at, to be fair. Um, one of the things that can hold us back is the fear of just doing you know, and you have to start somewhere. And I know like, um, I mean, I teach young kids um, in a middle school on uh, jazz ensemble, for instance. And one of the things I teach them is a basic blues scale. And one of the things I tell them, because there are a lot of times they're kind of afraid to just start improvising is, all right, listen, just, just play one note and just play a rhythm on that note and just, and just see what happens. And so the, the band plays the blues or whatever, and the, the student plays that one note in rhythm and time. Okay, great. That wasn't so bad. Play two notes. Just it's 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 jumping in and just kind of kind of doing it. You know, beyond that, there's obviously other things that you know can kind of get you there. There's tricks when it comes to scales, and you know, imp imp um, embellishment of melody. I think is you know always know the melody. You know, Randy talked about that before. Like know the melody of the song that you're trying to play, so that when you're playing your solo, it's somewhere in the background and hopefully coming out of your playing a little bit. Um, you know, the rhythmic qualities of scales and all that kind of stuff definitely um, applies as well. Um, but I, I really do think a lot of it is just about jumping in. I love it. And with that, we are going to end right there. Jump in, dive in, both feet in. Can't agree with you more. So I want to thank you guys so much. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Tom, for joining me today. Uh, just as a reminder, if anyone wants to check out that concert, just go back to jazzedge.com slash concert. Uh, Randy, Tom, and I do have plans to be doing uh, some more playing together, and we're kind of, you know, everything's under wraps right now. We're kind of working some of that out, but we will definitely keep all of you in the loop and informed of when we're going to be doing this again so that you can check out the live stream as well. So anyway, I am Willie Mayette, creator of Jazz Edge. Thank you guys so much for joining me, uh, and I will catch you guys in the next podcast episode.